the king's wedding feast. It's an interesting parable we have today. The king, celebrating his son, sends his messengers out into his kingdom to invite the most favored, pre-selected, chosen guests. But they decline. Most just ignore uh, the invite. They return to their farms, return to their businesses. They stay in their ways of life. And then some even kill the messengers. Seems to me, at first read, a great overreaction. Uh, In my head, either this king is actually a tyrant, and he's just enticing his subjects to come to them, uh, to torture them and to kill them when they come into his palace. Um, So it's either that, or two, he just throws a terrible party and just no one wants to go. I don't think that's logical though. I mean, king's parties are probably pretty good, Uh, but enough to kill them. But the parable continues with some really interesting parts, which we'll get into. But first, on, on parables themselves. Either parables kind of speak of normal, everyday life experiences and situations. Others use some pretty unusual language. Think of the woman at the well, how Jesus uses language and knowledge to just pull her in. And then still others use a lot of hyperbole, hyperbolic language. Something so exaggerated, which is done on purpose to make a point, that it ought not to be taken literally. And that's the case for, for our parable today. So that with, an, with that in mind, we could reframe uh, this parable that Jesus is telling us. So right at the start, we're told Jesus is here talking to the chief priests and to the elders, AKA the smartest, most well-learned uh, people, debatably the holiest people of the Jewish people. Jesus, though, is notoriously hard on the subsect because of all the people, they're the ones uh, that should know who the Messiah is. They should know all of the prophecies. They should know all of the signs. So when the Messiah comes, they could alert the people, saying he's here. But so many times they have Jesus right in front of them and they're just blind. They have no idea. They're not listening to him. Him saying, I am the temple. I am So talking to them, he's going to pull them in. He dives into this parable to reveal a great truth. So we start with the king of this kingdom, God the Father. And he's holding a banquet for his son, Jesus. He sends his messengers with the invite. He sends the prophets to the people to call them to the Lord. But then right away, things become quite outlandish. These people invited to the banquet, they ignore, they stay in their ways, and they usually killed the messengers, the prophets. And if that wasn't crazy enough, boom, plot twist. The king calls a major audible. He's like, all right, forget the chosen people. Uh, They're still invited, even though they don't want to come. I want you to go out into the streets now. Invite just everyday people, whoever you find. In other words, the Gentiles. Go out to the ends of the earth. Seek the riffraff, as they're so-called sometimes. And before you know it, the banquet hall is packed. You can't even find a space to stand. Packed with both good and bad people from the kingdom. And now you're thinking perhaps, well, that was kind of a poor decision on that part. Like, invite everyone? Why don't you just invite the good people? Why don't you put like a bouncer at the door of the kingdom to keep the bad out? Why would you allow them in? Well, think back eight weeks ago. It's already flown by. Week 20 of Ordinary Time. We're in week 28 right now in the liturgical calendar. We had the parable of the field of the good wheat, and in between the good wheat was mixed bad weeds. Because this parable isn't just about what it's going to be like at the banquet, at the feast in heaven. This parable also applies to earth, 
to right now to the kingdom of God present among us, uh, which has the reality, the coexistence of good and evil, of good people and bad people, of saints and sinners. And that lesson that we learned from that week, that you can't reap right away, otherwise you risk tearing up the good weeds while you're trying to get the weeds. But then finally, at the end of this gospel, this parable, the clothing, I think is the most interesting part. Of all things to get upset at, this king, he killed, all these messengers were killed. The king is upset that this one guy is not in the proper attire. Now you can kind of take this in a cheap manner, apply it to where we are today at Mass, and say, you know, you should dress properly for Mass. Sometimes we see sweats, you know, perhaps form-fitting, revealing clothes or wear. It should never be thought, these things, as adequate dress, because this is the most important, most sacred moment of our week we receive Jesus. But I think there's a much deeper reality Jesus is pointing to. And the fathers of our church, they speak, that these aren't necessarily physical clothes, but they're actually good and righteous deeds. So it's true that we're saved by grace alone. Everything is grace from God, even our own prayer is done by him. However, faith without works is dead. We're taught in scripture. So this parable, Jesus is giving these priests and us the powerful view against salvation by faith alone. The reality that you cannot be saved without having your life transformed from within. It's necessary. But we shouldn't fear about this because it's not all on our shoulders. It's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that does this through us, that transforms us through One, our daily prayer, through our suffering, we're all suffering to some extent, through our sacrifices, and through the reception of the sacraments of the Eucharist and confession. So brothers and sisters, we have a great parable this weekend, which gives us some beautiful insights. I invite you and myself, as we approach this altar, this Eucharistic celebration, to do an examination of conscience, to ask ourselves, are there any dirty rags in my life that I'm holding on to? What perhaps is keeping me from letting Jesus clothe me with the proper pure white attire? What could I do this week to let him strip me off of those sorry, dirty rags and put his white robes upon me? Perhaps it's even, you know, time for a visit to the confessional. He tells us many are invited, but few are chosen. Let's take heed of that. Finally, I'll just say a brief word. You'll hear me today in the Eucharistic prayer, add a saint. There's an option in one of them to add a saint. And you could also add blesseds. Yesterday, uh, the church uh, beatified a brand new saint. He could be the first saint of this millennium. if He gets another miracle approved. His name's Carlo Acutis. He died in 2006 at the age of 14 uh, from leukemia. We still have pictures of him and everything. They actually just revealed his body. He's buried in Assisi. And uh, he's buried in Nike shoes, jeans, and a hoodie. It's the coolest thing. I was telling the kids about him all week. But I think he could be a really good inspiration for us to to putting this gospel. He loved the Eucharist. He loved confession. He also loved video games. He limited himself to one hour of video games a week. uh, And he offered up the penance of wanting to do more for the souls in purgatory. He made a website, which you could still look today. Just type in Carlo Acutis. Eucharist. He made a website that documented all the Eucharistic miracles in the world. He's a great saint, and we pray to him to help us make this good examine and to grow closer to Christ and to become saints ourselves.